0: Thank you all. Uh, Our kids are dismissed to our children's ministry. They can go out the back there to our kids' table time. Um, Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Great to see so many faces here today. And I can't see your faces online, but we know that you're there. And we are especially grateful to be able to live stream and to be able to uh, transcend the interwebs. I guess is what it called. What it's called. But um, anyway, uh, my name's Pastor Chris. Um, it's your first time with us, or if it's your millionth time, I'm glad that you're here. And um, and I hope you're having a good weekend. Um, we're gonna get kind of hot sometime very shortly. Here in central Pennsylvania, so a little last kick of summer, right? Some people are happy. Some people are like, no, bring me the fall and the pumpkin land, right? It's pumpkin spice. But um, anyway, I'm glad that you're here with us today because um, we are ending our series whole brain games that we've been doing this kind of end of this summer that we've been talking about, the intersection of faith and mental health, something that oftentimes is not talked about in church. And I've had countless people tell me that, that they've never heard a sermon series like this, especially talking about the realities of mental health. So um, so I'm glad that we've done this. Um, I'm kind of sad it's ending, but at the same time, um, I think it's been a really important conversation to have. Um, And of course, we find ourselves here... um, beginning of september it's labor day weekend um so i thought i would ask you just a quick question does anybody know the history of why we have labor day anybody you know maybe some point you like heard it or something but you know you forget these things but labor day has a very very interesting history believe it or not um it actually originated during probably one of the most dismal dismal chapters in american work history one of the most horrendous times in this country for work conditions for people working. Um, and so actually, some statistics, um, in, the, in the late 1800s, late 1800s, so this is a little, you know, 150 years ago or so, the average work day, the average work day, if you thought you had a bed, was 12 hours, 7 days a week. 7 days a week, 12 hours every day. And, and children as young as six years old were working in those conditions. So, so, you know, kids, you're not going to school. You're not doing anything. That We had people that were working in this time, and that kind of led to, historically, the rise of labor unions over those work hours, over poor work conditions, over having children working in these factories and shops. And, and actually, uh, it kind of rose to the point this, this, historically. In, on September 5th, 1882, 10,000 workers, 10,000 workers left their jobs and took unpaid time off to march down the streets of New York City. And 10,000 people, imagine that, going unpaid that day, to march and make that and make that statement that say that hey these conditions cannot continue, and, and so there was a, a lot of unrest that took place over time. Um, so two years later. Um Congress finally legalized, they made it legal to have a holiday called Labor Day. Some states had already started to participate in that. And actually, they only conceded after troops were sent to the Pullman Car Company, the strike that had happened in Chicago, and there was a kind of a tiff that was going on there. And they only conceded to say, well, we need to make a holiday to celebrate the worker. And I think, you know, kind of an interesting history. Maybe you didn't know that. So a little trivia for you today uh, for your, your trivia games that you might play. Um, but I think it's appropriate that we end our series today um, talking about uh, the, the mental health concept of burnout, A burnout. Um, and so I don't know about you, but um, if you've ever felt overwhelmed or burnt out, you're not alone. You're not alone by any means. You know, first off, can you imagine working 12 hours a day, seven days a week? Like, just crazy, right? Um, but, but 2023, here we are. 2023, statistics show that more than half of people working feel burned out as a result of your job. More than 50% of people. Um, and actually, statistics show that women, women are more likely to suffer burnout than men at work. And so whether single, married, raising children, usually as caretakers for elderly parents or young children, you know, kind of bearing the, the, the weight of those things. And that's, that's just one area of life that many of us experience burnout. Um, it's kind of like everywhere you turn that, that people are feeling like stressed or overwhelmed or even just like on the edge. Maybe, you, you know, you have a coworker that's kind of right there, right? That, that understanding, though, that burnout, though, is not just the result of working long hours. It's not just the result of working long hours, it's a lot more. It's actually a combination of of mental and emotional and physical exhaustion from multiple sources at the same time. And so basically burnout is a a reflection of our inability to balance competing demands. It's our inability to balance competing demands. And, And so part of burnout that contributes is kind of the social pressure to be there for everyone, to do everything for everybody, people's expectations. And at the same time, you gotta be positive, you gotta keep up your image online and make sure everything looks perfect, right? Because that needs to be very important. Maybe there's financial pressures behind the scenes, you're trying to pay bills, maybe you're caring for aging parents or you're driving back and forth and trying to do a lot of those things. Um, And then there's also, you guys know what FOMO is? You know what FOMO is? F-O-M-O. It means fear of missing out. Right? That adds to it, too. It's like, well, I need to do everything and say yes to everybody. And, and, so, um, and then spiritually, too. Spiritually, you know, we have spiritual guilt. You know, maybe if you grew up in the tra- Catholic tradition, maybe you're, you know, we're especially good at that. But, but spiritual guilt or, or just feeling like you're not good enough or you're disappointing God at the same time. You're not living up to God's expectations of your life. And all those things kind of swirl together and contribute to burnout. But, but I think a good question to ask, though, is what is the difference, though, between stress and burnout? Stress and burnout, because they are different things. Um, it's up there, the answer's up there on the screen, but stress is generally short-lived and it's related to a temporary project or event. So think, you know, you have to do a presentation for work or school. You're stressed out about it, right? You don't like public speaking, it's awful. You have a test coming up, or a procedure coming up, or that there's a problem, or you're starting a new job, or, or you've moved recently, or had, a, had a, a renovation going on. Like All those things might add up to stress, but, but burnout, burnout is kind of that chronic or compounding stress that feels never-ending. It just goes on and on and on. It's like there's no relief. There's no end in sight. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. And if it is, it's a train, right? It's just, it keeps going. And you can't, like, tell anybody. You just feel empty. You're just kind of going through the motions. And the thing is, if you find yourself there, or if you will find yourself there, if you know somebody there, the thing is, I want to show you today that there is a a guy in the Bible. He's an Old Testament prophet named Elijah who experienced many of the same things in burnout, that chronic compounding stress that felt never-ending. And it's an interesting story, the story of Elijah and burnout. I have to say, he's one of my favorite prophets, by the way. Him and his, his um, compadre, Elisha, uh, he, they kind of worked hand-in-hand. Hand. He was his um, mentee at the time. But the story of Elijah in burnout, it's interesting. Elijah was a person who loved God, and he was a powerhouse for God. He was a powerhouse for God. He was, he was very strong in the faith. He believed and he followed God and he did everything right. But he battled very real anxiety and depression and exhaustion and burnout. And so just a note here, like, so if, if you find yourself in that place battling the swirling, all these things, if you're struggling, it doesn't make you a bad Christian. It makes you human. Human. Elijah was human, just like us. He was a human being, and he wrestled with that stuff. So I'm going to give you just a little bit of a glimpse of his resume. It's listed in your worship guide, by the way, if you're following along with the notes. But um, basically, this guy, he confronted this this evil king named King Ahab. I'll give you the rundown of the story. And he went to him, and he told him, hey, you're sinning against God. Ahab is doing a lot of really horrible things and then, then he went on, think about this, he's a powerhouse for God. He prophesied a drought that was going to take place for three years. He prophesied and he predicted that. And then King Ahab went after him for the next three years to try to kill him. He pursued him with an army and he went chased him. And, and imagine, uh, imagine this, that on the run, God, while he's being chased by King Ahab's army, God miraculously provides for him. He provides bread, he provides meat from ravens, like hallelujah, you know, all the good stuff, right? Talking about going to the steakhouse, you know, you got bread and meat from ravens, it's amazing. (laughs) But, and not only that, not only does God provide for him that way, but he he goes goes to this widow whose, whose son dies, and he raises him from the dead. Like, who does that? He raises him from the dead. And then after that story, He goes on and he stands against 850, 850 false prophets. False prophets who are worshiping this this other God. And he calls fire from heaven that burns a wet altar. Like just crazy stuff. Like God was working through him and he's going, going, going and all these things. But then one day, one day. You've had a one day, haven't you, right? One day, things change because King Ahab's wife, King Ahab's wife, she saw what her husband had been trying to do, pursuing this man for three years, trying to kill him, and she said, this is not in the Bible, but she said something to the tune of, honey, if you can't get it done, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to do it myself. And so what did she do? She told Elijah. She sent a message to him and said, by this time tomorrow, you will be dead. You will be dead. But, But think about this, though. Think about Elijah receiving those words. Think about he's had nonstop protection from God. He's had nonstop protection, nonstop provision, nonstop presence of God. He stood down 850 men, but then one really irritated woman makes a threat, and guess what he does? He falls. He falls apart. <laughs> he falls apart, right? And we, you know, we laugh. You're like, it just takes like you know one one strong woman, right? That's what happens, but. It seems wild, right? It's like all that happened, and then like the one thing. And you know this, like it's just the one thing. It seems wild, but you get it. You know, I get it. You know, it's amazing what you can endure. You can endure criticism, hard times, financial pressure, health issues, and you handle it, you handle it, you handle it, you handle it, until you can't handle it. (laughs) Until one thing, the one thing, the one thing. The king's wife says you're going to be dead tomorrow, and you just go, like, you're gone. You know, and it's fascinating, too, that, that she, she never did what her husband had done. She never sent an army. So if she doesn't tell us she ever sent an army. She never sent, like, sharpshooters or ninjas or anybody to come after him. All she did was make a threat. All she did was talk. And yet he crumbled. He crumbled. He crumbled. Why? Well, I think one of evil's greatest tools for us is Fear. Is fear, it's, it's paralyzing. It can do great things without even doing great things. You know, and, and maybe you can see yourself in this story. Maybe at some time in the past, even now, um, maybe you can relate. So we're going to look at First Kings chapter 19. This is where this takes place in verses 3 to 5. So scripture says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. Well, he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he may die. I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. Stress and burnout, friends, right? Stress and burnout. It's a great picture of stress and burnout. How do our bodies respond to stress and burnout? Well, look at Elijah. So first, physically. Fatigue, fatigue, just being totally exhausted. Maybe you've been there just like physically, you're just totally done. Uh, Having low energy, you know, difficulty sleeping or sleeping all the time, having headaches, body, muscle pain. Um, You know, sometimes we start to try to cope with that by we change our eating habits. You know, what do you go for? The ice cream, right? or the chocolate or the goodies like you're trying to like get some energy something there um, but, but sometimes we turn to other things we turn to alcohol sometimes people are on a pre- prescription pain medication and they keep taking that pain medication to dull that uh, and you begin compounding the problem those are kind of physical effects maybe you've experienced those but then there's also mental effects ongoing stress impacts the brain um, and actually, there's, there's, we have, I think we have a picture of this, but it does two things. There's two parts in your brain that it affects. It affects amygdala. We talked about that a little bit earlier in the series. And then there's this part called the prefrontal cortex. So first, your amygdala actually gets bigger, and then your prefrontal cortex, it gets really weak. When you're in under, during, enduring stress time after time, amygdala is an alarm, that fight or flight, right? I'm going to, like, go after them, or I'm going to head the other way. And that keeps going off. It's overactive. But then you basically train your prefrontal cortex. That's your decision maker. That's what looks and plans into the future and says, what am I going to have for lunch today? What's going to happen tomorrow? Those kinds of things. That part of your brain that sees the future. And so what happens is as stress compounds, you become indecisive. It becomes very hard to focus. It actually can result in memory loss you know, where you just have short-term memory. You think one thought, and then it's like it's, it's totally gone. You can't remember what you did about 10 minutes ago. And that's kind of the mental effects. But then there's emotional. We see this in Elijah very clearly, that lose, loss of motivation, that chronic feeling of self-doubt, that you feel like a total failure, even though you know you're not. Uh, you're miserable You feel alone. Uh, You know, you kind of cascade. It cascades on all the things that you don't like about life, one thing after another. You become even bitter. And actually, as a person of faith, that's when you begin to feel disconnected from God. You begin to feel disconnected or you begin to blame God for what you're suffering and, and you might even be functioning fine otherwise. That's the thing. You know, these people that are enduring stress and burnout might be functioning fine otherwise, getting everything done, but, but feeling that way really deeply. It kind of reminds me of, of a telehealth commercial that I was listening to. I was listening to this, this one podcast and this commercial, you know, how they do that. They intersperse those time after time. It's for some kind of telehealth thing. And it had this guy talking to this therapist. and like, I wish I could have a knee surgery, is what the guy said. And the therapist is like, why do you wish you could have a knee surgery? He says, well, you know, when you're like in the hospital and sitting there, he says, there's not much to do and nobody's coming after you. And and, and I was thinking about that. Like you need an illness to take you out. You're so burnt out that you're like, God, anything, right? Give me the knee, give me whatever, like take me out of this. That's that emotional effect of burnout. That's an emotional effect. But, But the question is, so, but how do we get there? how do we get there? How, how do we get to this point of experiencing physical, mental, emotional, these effects? Um, well, I think we do similarly to what Elijah did. We see from Elijah first, we run ourselves to the ground. Um, in verse 3, it says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Like I said, fear can be a huge factor in this. And, and, and Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Um, reading this, most of us don't have a really feel, a good feel of geography in this sense. Um, but I think we have a map here to kind of show where he ran to. Do I have a map in there? I'm not sure if I included a ma- map. No map. Okay, I forgot the map. Anyway, but I'll give you a picture of what that looks like. Um, he ran to this place called Be- Beersheba from where he was. And, and basically, he could not have run any further. Like, there's difficult terrain outside of there. Basically, he ran four marathons. He ran a hundred miler. He ran a hundred miles a hundred miles. He was afraid and he ran for his life. He ran, like, you should have a little insert there that said he ran a hundred miles for his life. Like, like, just absolutely crazy. He ran himself to the ground. But, you know, you might not run for marathons. But we do similar things, you know, working, going to school, trying to be perfect, trying to juggle, keep all the balls in the air, trying to do it all. We run ourselves to the ground. That's what, that's what he did. Um, or the second piece is we try to do it all on our own. We try to do it all on our own. We try to do things without asking for help or without letting others in. We see Elijah do this too because he makes an incredible mistake if you look at the continuation of that verse. He says, when he came to Beersheba in Judah, this is after his hundred miler, he left his servant there. It, it, this is, once again, easy to kind of coast through. He left his servant there so he could be alone. He could be alone. Imagine, this servant just went hundred miles with him too. And what did he do? He left him. He left him. You know, he chose to run alone, to battle alone. And, and, and maybe, maybe that's you. You know, even some of our, our friends online, you know, looking back to the last three years, you know, when, when COVID hit and kind of changed lots of things and some of us became more distant or we, came, we, we took ourselves out of a lot of social situations and it was a lot comfortable to stay at home to kind of do your own thing. Um, and that's where, like, even when we're live streaming, when we're sharing online, like, you know, the, I have to say, though, the church of Jesus is not just about watching a video. Or, and it's not just even about attending a service. That part of being a part of church is, is the people of God intersecting, interacting, loving, sharing, and growing together. We need one another. Dare I say we need you. We need you here. We need you to be a part of this body. But when you're alone, just like with Elijah, what happens? Things get worse. You know, you feel worse. We see he left his servant there so he could go on. And then the third piece here is what happens also, we dwell on the negative. What leads to burnout, we dwell on the negative. You know, there might be good things all around you, but all you see is what's wrong. And that's what Elijah does. He says, I've had enough. I failed you, God. And then what does he say in verse 4? He says, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Take my life. Like, this is the guy, once again, God just totally worked through him. And these false prophets, like, he lit an altar on fire. And God provides for him and all this. And what what is he saying? Take my life. And he's not saying, like, Jesus, take my life. Like, he's not doing that. He's like, kill me, right? Put me out. Uh, He's saying, I'm no better than my ancestors. He's comparing himself. He's looking at those before him. And don't we do that a lot, right? We compare ourselves to everybody else's story. I'm trying to be like her. I'm trying to be like him. And and, and, oh my gosh, they have it all together. Their family's perfect, right? You have the perfect family, right? but, But there's no win there. There's no win in comparison. And stress becomes burnout. It turns out burnout. And you begin to think that, just like Elijah, it's not worth it anymore. It's not worth it. But, but what I want to show you, what I want to show you, though, is that even so, even in Elijah's darkest moment, God comes to him. Even in Elijah's darkest moment, God came to him. A messenger, this, I love this part of the story, a messenger came to him in the very same way I believe that God may be coming to you today. Or you in the next week that God might be coming to you with a word of hope, and what do we hear in 1 Kings nineteen verse five? All at once, an angel touched him. All at once, an angel. So how about that? That's the original touch by an angel. Anybody watch Roma Downey? This is like '90s '90s fan. Original t- came from there. Original touch by an angel historically, but but the angel came. God initiated. God made a move. God was the one who made the move towards Him. Imagine that. Like sometimes we think, like, oh, I gotta go chase God, I gotta go do this. Like, no, God is God is there, God is pursuing us. You know, and sometimes all you need is that one touch, right? That one touch from God, that one word of encouragement, that one tap on the shoulder, that one thing that was spoken. And the angel speaks, but but before I tell you what the angel said, I want to first share what the angel didn't say. The angel did not say, hey, loser, why are you hiding under the stinking bush? <laughs> he didn't say, hey, are you scared of Jezzy? Right? Who's she? She don't even have an army. He didn't say, God must be getting back at you. You better pray harder, right? He didn't say any of those things, but what he said, and the angel said, best words ever, get up and eat. Don't you love it? Get up and eat. Like, Simple. Let's just, like, pause there. Get up and eat. Like, maybe you just need to, like, get up and eat. Like, maybe that might be part of it. Um, But then he looked around, and there by his head was some bread, and baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank, and then he lay down again. Think about that. Get up and eat, and then he eats. This, This food's there, and then what does he do? He lays down again. You know, sometimes what the Lord calls for is just a holy nap. A holy nap. Amen, right? You just need a nap. You know, eat a donut. Eat the donut. Take the nap. You know, eat the protein bar, maybe the, even the gluten-free, the non-GMO COVID bar, or the non COVID, why did I say that? Non-GMO. The non-GMO healthy bar thing that's made up of all the nice nutrients and that kind of thing. Eat that and take a nap. That's what you basically tell them. It's very simple, very simple. You know, and I'm not saying that's the cure-all for everything, but isn't it interesting that even when we know it's something simple, when it's like, I just need a nap, I need a good meal in me. Like, but what will happen in your brain? What will your brain say? Or what will our spiritual enemy, what will the devil say? No, you can't afford to do that. You need to keep going. You're going to let them down. Everything depends on you. You're a selfish pig. Don't you dare do those things you got to get busy. You have that list to do, right? Don't you dare. Don't you dare pause. Like, that's what happens in our brains, even though we're like, I just need a little nap and I need a little protein bar. You know, some of us just need a break, need a rest. But what gets in the way? What gets in the way? Well, um, we had this little book club that we read, this book called Unfettered. I highly recommend it, by the way. It's by a lady named Mandy Smith. She's a pastor, and she just really, really good. It impacts this whole idea of rest, in several chapters. And and it's interesting because she spends a whole chapter talking about what's gets in the way of us taking a break. And she really drives it home and and gets down to the idea that it's really, it's really inside of us, a fear of being powerless, a fear of letting go of our control. It's not really about the to-do list. It's about feeling powerless or feeling out of control. That, and too often, taking a rest is perceived as, especially in the church, is like just a means of making us better workers. You know, so then you're relaxed, and then you can go back, and then you do a better job. And while that may be true, rest is really needed spiritually so we can be perceptive and receptive to the lead of God. That we miss God because we're just going and going and going. You know, and that's why, like, you know, if you've ever taken a break or in the summer you've taken a vacation or a trip, you know, have you ever come back and just felt even more tired and overwhelmed, right? Like physically you did that. Well, why? Well, I think it goes back to something that, that she says in the book is that you're not just tired, you're empty. You're empty. You're depleted. And when you're depleted, it's not just taking a break and, and coming back and then being back. You, you need to be refilled. You need to be refilled. We just sang that song, All Who Are Thirsty. It's about being refilled. So my question to you is, what do you need to refill you? What will refill you? Maybe you have taken the break and you're overwhelmed again. What will you need to refill you? And, and there's, a, there's a couple of things that go with that. Often if you're someone who, whose you know, day job or often you know, you're working with your mind, you know, tends to be more people that, that are in offices and doing computer work and that kind of thing. Um, your, your refill, it usually has to do with something that disengages your mind and engages your body. That's what statistics show. Research shows that if you work with your mind, your refill actually comes from working with your body. You know, that's it for me, I work with my mind a lot. I'm studying, I'm talking to people. It's like all, all that kind of thing. You know, that's why, look, like, I love athletics. Like, that gets me outside. Honestly, when I'm playing hockey or I'm running or whatever, like, my, my brain is just, it's in a different place. It's, it's a good thing. You know, engaging your body. I don't know what that might be for you. But on the flip side, though, if you work with your body, say, like, you're a landscaper or a construction worker or you're, or you're chasing small children, right? Um, you need to rest your body... And engage your mind. You need to rest your body and engage your mind. You know, if you're constantly doing, 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 use your hands, going from here, going there, then you know, sitting on the beach with the book is a good thing. Visiting a museum or doing some kind of art or music, that's a refilling means. So, so what do you need? And, and I say, like, we're all different. We need different rhythms, a different pace. We we need community. You know, we, we, need, we need friends, but we also need to be intentional about that time. And, and you know what, what God calls that time? Sabbath, right? Sabbath it means taking rest, but it's intentional time to, to be refilled by not doing things, filling yourself with all kinds of busyness and work, but to resting in God. Feeling powerless, because guess what? We really are, right? You can't control what happens tomorrow, I can't control if I walk across the street and the bus is coming, right? Like, you can't control those things. It's a reminder to us that we are powerless. But God is not. Because what else do we need? We need him. We need God. You know, G. Begins with G, rhymes with odd. His name is God. Right? We need an encounter with God. Not just knowledge, though. Not just say you can read. I've known people. You can read the Bible inside and out. You can quote a million scriptures, have things memorized. But it's about the presence and a relationship with God. Having a relationship. And we see see this take place in Elijah's story. After he's worn out, exhausted, he takes a little nap, has something to eat. After his long journey to Mount Horeb, we see this take place. The Lord says to Elijah, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. And there... A great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Whisper. So if you're a 70s rock friend, who are my 70s rock friends? Any 70s rock, yes. Earth, wind, and fire. God's not in any of it. God's not in any of it. Where, where is God? He's not in the extraordinary. He's right there. Right there the whole time in the whisper, in the ordinary. Right next to Elijah. It, it makes me think that if you'll be still, if we'll be still and slow down and rest and be refilled, we may actually hear from God in ordinary ways. Very ordinary ways changing diapers, doing dishes in the shower, driving in the line at Giant, you know, listening closely because he's speaking. God's whispering all the time. And, and you know why he's whispering, why his voice seems so quiet? God whispers because God is always close. He whispers. You know, you think if you're whispering like across the room, you're not gonna be able to hear it. He whispers. Because he's always close. Elijah was in the cave. And what was the thing that drew him out? Not the earthquake, not the fire, but the whisper. So imagine, broken, if you're brokenhearted, he's close to the brokenhearted. God is drawing you out. If you're overwhelmed, God is drawing you out. If you're anxious or depressed or just in a place of worry, he whispers, there is hope. There is hope. Come out. Come out. Maybe you feel alone in your brain games. He says, you're you're not abandoned. I'll never leave you. Because I think the best words are, Jesus said it like this, and we we share this in our call to worship. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to who? Me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you. What does he say? I'll show you how to take a real what? Rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Let the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Dare I say, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is rest. That's it. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is is not doing more and more and more. Not not trying to prove yourself or try to get that next thing done. You know, it's... Simple, but we need that reminder of rest. And so, so what, what do you need today? You know, maybe for you it is rest. Maybe it is that sense of being still before God. Maybe your pace of life is just out of control right now and you need new rhythms. Maybe you, you realize like you just came back from the vacation and you're still feeling just, just totally overwhelmed. Maybe you need a different kind of rest. Maybe you need to focus on refilling even more so. You also need, above anything else, you need Jesus. He says, What? Come to me. I'll show you how to take a real rest. It's an encounter with the presence of a good God who's right there with us the entire time. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is rest. So, what I want to do is, is pray for our church family. If you would just close your eyes for a Couple minutes here, we uh, just to go to Lord Jesus right now, and know even through this series, God, we've been talking about lots of mental health things, Lord. Everything from from depression to to burnout to anxiety to worry, Lord. We talk about trauma, Lord. Just all these things can feel very very heavy, Lord. But we just go back back to what Matthew wrote, Lord, about what you told us that. That the the yoke upon your shoulders, Lord, the yoke that you offer us is light. That you carry our burdens. Lord, help us to face you, face them with you, Lord. Not to try to do things on our own, Lord, but to seek you. To seek you, to get alone with you. To encounter you, to know your real presence among us. And Lord, maybe in those moments, whether it's just a couple minutes each day or just changing our schedule so that we can actually have some margin in it, Lord, maybe for even just taking a a Sabbath or a time away to be with you, Lord, that we would be able to hear you. We'd be able to hear you in the ordinary, hear your whisper, your whisper right there that the world around us, all the voices and noise has just been drowning out, Lord. And to be reminded you're loved, you're treasured, that that you you, you are are the the one that that Jesus came for, that we together are a people that that Jesus wants to have relationship with, and to not be troubled, not to be overcome with burdens and worry, not to be concerned so much with the things on our, our daily schedules and the things of of this life, that we lose that eternal perspective, that we lose sight of the things that really matter. Lord, help us. Help us to know that more and to find our rest in you. And so we turn to Jesus. We turn to Jesus who, who taught us the way, who showed us the way, not just to eternal life, but to experiencing real and full life here and now. And Lord, I ask, fill us. Fill us today, Jesus. As we approach this table, let us be filled. Let's empty ourselves of the mistakes and the things that we've done wrong, the things that we can confess in our hearts before you, Lord, the ways we haven't measured up, Lord. Let's confess those things, but then let us be filled by you and your grace. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Lord Jesus, as your people need of your grace, need of your presence, we join together, all voices together, praying the prayer that you taught your disciples to pray. And so we pray Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses